This is Office Magazine's podcast. I'm Sam Niami. What is design if not just making things out of what you draw? At least that's how I see garment design as someone who has never even tried to do it, but watches in wonder when I see others make clothes out of thin air. After interviewing the New York-based, Bay Area-born fashion designer Helena Eisenhardt, I can now definitively say yes. Making garments is basically just trying to make drawings into reality, which, to me, is nothing short of magical. To make the things in our head animated and alive on someone else's body, it requires collection, curiosity, tenacity, and outrageous purpose to make imagination into reality. Yes, all artists do this, but designers dare to decorate life beyond our primary needs because of a hunger for the extravagant. Their purpose to address what the late master Andre Leon Talley called a famine of beauty. And Helena Eisenhardt's clothes, to me, address that famine with a feast for visual creation. They draw deeply from Bay Area punk culture of upcycling, tearing apart, and putting back together these Frankenstein-esque garments that are. Riddled with embroidered poetry and patterned metalwork, but she also addresses our need for elegance and creates outrageously beautiful gowns out of napkins, canvas, and even used wedding dresses. She is the fashion world's Frankenstein, and it's all brought together by her inspiring and breathtaking dedication to archiving her own ideas and referencing herself. All of it derives from these relatively simple drawings that she has collected over years that she shakes into life using only found pieces and embroidery, somehow making it all look like what it is in her books. She answers my question: What is design if not just making things out of what you draw? With a rabid, ferocious answer that she'd do anything to make her imagination alive. Here is my conversation with Helena. So, when did you start thinking about fashion?、Um, my mom would give me sketchbooks and journals when I was a kid for、mm-hmm. my birthday and for Christmas because I think she just wanted to encourage me to have like a creative outlet.、Mm-hmm. But I was always interested in a lot of different things. Like I wanted to play all the sports. I wanted to do acting. I、What、wanted to sing. Play? I played everything: soccer, basketball, so- like softball. Like、mm-hmm. I did track. I don't and tennis. I played tennis for a really long time, and I taught tennis. Wow, you taught tennis? Yeah. At what age?、Uh, from age thirteen to eighteen. Whoa. I taught little kids how to play tennis. That's so awesome. Yeah.、Um, but yeah, she would give me sketchbooks, and I would just draw clothes,、mm-hmm. and I would draw little figures and put clothes on them, and then put descriptions of what they were、mm-hmm. next to it. Um, so she still has a lot of those, and then I would make clothes for my dolls and things like that too, like hand sewing and hand knitting. What was what was the drive to design clothes rather than like just drawing or, or something like that?、Um, I think I was just fascinated with clothing and and dressing in different outfits. Like I felt like it was a costume,、mm-hmm. or every day was just like a different character.、Mm-hmm. So I would have really eccentric outfit choices when I was a kid, and I would just like choose whatever I wanted to wear,、mm-hmm. and they would always be super different every day.、Um, but I think it was a way for me to explore my identity too.、Mm-hmm. In what ways?、Um, just because I had so many interests, and I felt very curious about all different kinds of things, and I wanted to show that through my outfits.、Mm-hmm. So.、Um, Because there wasn't always things I could afford, I would just learn how to make it myself,、mm-hmm. or go thrifting with my sister, who was really good at thrifting and showed me how to do that too.、Mm. 
How often did you go to thrift store? Uh, just whenever she wanted to go, because my sister's seven years older than me, so oh, okay. I would be nagging her basically to take me to the thrift <laughs> store and drive me around. Did did creating feel like a big world to you, or was it was it some sort of outlet, or was it just something that you did? I think it was just something I did, and I uh, I was just trying to figure out what I could do with that. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom wouldn't actually let me sew anything with a machine until I was 18. Mm -hmm. Wow, <laughs> Because so she, thought, she thought I would hurt Did myself. Did tennis and the, the, she wouldn't let you sew? Yeah, so I didn't actually sew on a machine until I was 18. Wow. Um, so uh, I would sew kitchen towels together for practice. <laughs> And just like sew whatever, but she would give me some towels and like threaded needle and just say, "Here, you can sew this." So when it when did it become like a like something that you wanted to to pursue as a, as a career? Um, probably around twelve or thirteen. Wow, um, early. Yeah, because I remember looking up where I could go to school for mm -hmm. fashion design, and I saw that Parsons was a fashion school, mm -hmm. and it was in New York, and I had an uncle who lived in New York that we would visit when I was a kid, and I always loved visiting and just seeing like everybody's style in New York and like just street watching people. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I found out they had a pre-college program that I could go to during the summertime, and it was a two-week thing. My dad said it was too expensive, but if I could pay for the enrollment myself, then I could go, and I don't think he thought I could do it. But I babysat for every kid in my neighborhood, and I taught tennis, um, and I made like 800 bucks over like a six-month period, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and I gave him like a big jar full of cash and said, okay, here's the money. And then he said, okay, but your mom has to go with you. So I went for two weeks and did the pre-college program at mm -hmm. Parsons. Um, and I have some really funny photos from that <laughs> trip. I met another Filipino girl in my class named Lena. Mm -hmm. So we were Lena and Lena. And her, <laughs> she got into fashion because her dad had a necktie company. And she Whoa. knew how to make neckties. And uh, we just became super close. And I, I still had braces at the time. <laughs> and our first assignment was to make a dress out of newspaper. And I wore the newspaper dress around New York. Like, I was so excited that I made a dress. And it was just paper, like, and tape. That's so fun. Yeah. What did what did fashion look like here back then? Like, what were you seeing that made you so interested in it? I think just uh, compared to the style in the Bay, it was so mm -hmm. different because people were so much more put together. Mm -hmm. It seemed like here, Definitely. people would actually coordinate their outfits and tr like dress their best mm -hmm. to go out. And in the Bay, it's much more relaxed. Yeah. So totally. it's way more casual, a lot more sandals. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still, you know, I like, I try to look good when I'm out on the streets, but I still have my Berks. Like, yeah. We, we all day people. Like, it's we, a we, lot more about comfort. In. Yeah. 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 And I didn't care about comfort. I was just like, I, I just want to look cool as mm -hmm. fuck. Like. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's hard growing up. In, I mean, the Bay is, is so wonderful and like has so much of its own culture embedded in it, but I feel like, I mean, we were just talking about how, you know, the, it is, it is very diff, the, the hustle culture in New York is, is just like, cannot even be compared to the Bay, which is just so much more about like relaxation and yeah. taking care of yourself and, and all of that. Here it's, it's, 
the focus is much more on like being your best all the time. Yeah, and I think I was already really not addicted to that high energy, but just like I knew I wanted to be surrounded by that because it felt really motivating and exciting and um yeah, that led me to just being here. But mm-hmm. I, when I was 5 <laughs> I told my dad, I'm going to drive to New York when I'm 13 because I thought that's how old you had to be <laughs> to have a driver's license. And I said, and I'm never coming back. And he said, do you know how to drive a car? And I said, yeah, you just push the button and you go. <laughs> when did you go from a point where you felt like you were learning mostly to having like your own brand and your own label and wanting to create your own style? I think it was probably... The year I graduated, because mm-hmm. I um, got as- accepted into the thesis show, and that was super validating for me, mm-hmm. just um, having imposter syndrome yeah. <laughs> all the time, just being like, wow, I actually got selected for this show, mm-hmm. like that means something, yeah. and having all this positive feedback, and seeing that I could create a cohesive collection and actually create a full collection, because I'd only done like four pieces or something at a time mm. or four looks and um that was an eight look collection which is still small but still you know a good amount of work and, and it just made me want to make more mm. um but that was when i really felt like that was a turning point for me and what was i've i've seen the, the your thesis show like the transparent looks like yeah like, what was the how did it look conceptually like when you when you were thinking about it how did you feel like going into that very validating experience but also um knowing that your work was going to be viewed on a on a wider scale like how how were you crafting it with that in mind i didn't think i didn't know that it was going to be really viewed on a wider scale mm-hmm. because i didn't know i was going to be in the show or anything i oh, was just so like you, you developed it before yeah yeah but i i was drawing a lot and i was very into illustration at the time mm-hmm. Now when I sketch, it's just like quick, quick, quick. But then I was really taking time with my illustrations and I wanted to make my illustrations look exactly like the garment. Mm -hmm. So I was drawing kind of these almost paper doll-like figures Mm -hmm. and everything was really sculptural. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was doing a lot of watercolor. So I wanted to figure out how to make that look like the actual garment. Yeah. So do you... Was there was there any increased pressure in in the quality of the drawings, or was it more that you were just taking whatever the drawings looked like and and wanted to create that? I just wanted to create that, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but also even now, whatever I is the final product never looks like the initial yeah. sketch. Because <laughs> when I'm working with the fabric, other things happen. Yeah. So, like in the process, it's oh, it's something always changes, and like we have a lot of fittings and things just change all the time but it's a good thing i like you know i'll still go back to those sketches and mm. and you can create something else from that sketch yeah too so i keep everything i don't get rid of anything i always wonder with fashion because it's such a, a field that is is constricted to like body parts and and <laughs> you know there's like so there an infinite amount of like permutations that you can create like depending on you know head arms legs like whatever yeah. like the the body um do you feel that uh how do you how do you consider that when you go into a concept like 
you know, in the way that you just said that you try to sketch everything out and then try to make it look as much like that as possible, do you do you set up challenges for yourself in that way to try and like make it as imaginative as possible? Like how how does how do you deal with the the sort of like um, the fewer variables that come with that art form? I think knowing that there are a diverse amount of people that I want to show my work on, mm -hmm. I I don't think about the body as like a like a burden or mm -hmm. a limit in any way because I'm like there's so many different body types right. so I'm just going to design something that looks beautiful and then like we'll find a beautiful person to put this on yeah <laughs> so yeah I don't I don't think about that until later because mm -hmm. it's, it's like let's just focus on the garment and like the textures and the shapes and the silhouette mm -hmm. and make something beautiful and then we'll do a fitting and figure out all of that at the end how much of it um when you when you conceptualize a new look or a new piece how much of it feels to you like you're creating you know like fine art like do you consider do you consider it fine art first or do you like what is the balance between it being fine art and it being like technical i think it it's about how much time i spend on each mm -hmm. piece because the more time I spend on it, the more fine art it becomes. And I get really into the details of things mm -hmm. um, with my materials and trims. Um, and I can I can go on a garment forever. Like mm -hmm. I, But if I limit myself with time, then I know, okay, I, I can spend one month on this piece and I can spend two days on this piece. Mm -hmm. So I give myself a bit of a time limit. How much do you like theorize your pieces? Like how much, um, how much, I guess, um, like uh, conceptual thought do you put into everything that you make? Like, do you feel like there's, you're trying to convey like messages with what you're making or is it like yeah. really the look first? Um, both at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I always have, my journals where I'm writing and drawing in them at the same time mm -hmm. and I have to check in with myself to make sure that it's cohesive too mm -hmm. but things can change and you know the way that I start working on a collection is not always how it ends right. so um I kind of let things develop as they go mm. if that makes sense yeah totally I'm just I just want to make like a connection to from <laughs> you graduating and having that thesis show to all the different people that you've worked with. You've worked with, with me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what was, who was the first person that, or first brand or label that you worked with that you were like, whoa, I'm not just like someone learning or I'm not <laughs> just like, you know, a college student that graduated and did this thing, like I'm actually working in this industry now. Um... I worked for a wholesale sweater company uh -huh. and I remember they put me on the design team and I was designing things that were being sold at like Anthropology and Bloomingdale's Whoa. but in mass amounts mm -hmm. and every week. Wow. So I would be like designing sweaters every week and I was like, whoa, like my stuff's actually in stores crazy. <laughs> How many, like what was the quantity looking like? Um. We had four collections a year, but mm. we would have like, it was private label, so mm. we would do stuff for different um, brands. Like. How many, 
how many uh, garments were being made like based off of what you were designing? Like thousands. Wow. Yeah. And how long after school was that? Uh, two years. And what was what was the time between between I, that? What were you doing? I was working as a seamstress for for, the, for most of that two years. Yeah, yeah. And um, what was that experience like? I was making patterns and samples and producing um, for a textile designer mm -hmm. who had a small studio in Bushwick, and it was just all four women, like all of us working together. Um, so that was, but we were producing a lot of stuff. So I'd work, I've worked as a seamstress on and off for a lot of people, but mm -hmm. I also picked up a lot of gigs in between then and mm -hmm. then was producing my own stuff at night and mm -hmm. making my own things. So I'm going to name off some of the people that you listed that you've, <laughs> you've done work for. There's Sophie and then one oh tricks point never mm -hmm. was that that was about right mm -hmm. and there's Deb Hines and then Carly Rae Jepsen Hood by Air KTZ Zana Bang Lori Goldstein that you mentioned Nicholas Whitehouse Ruth Root and uh, and the Isamu Ngochi Museum Noguchi Museum. Museum yeah um, so when when did all <laughs> of that start happening for you um, some of that was while I was still in school Oh, which ones? Uh, the Noguchi Museum, mm -hmm. um, Ruth Root, I worked for while I was a student. Mm -hmm. She's a, an artist uh, from Chicago that lives here in Tribeca. Mm -hmm. um, I was working for her as a seamstress, but she was uh, making fabric collages. So she did paintings normally, and then I would take fabric and make them into collages for mm -hmm. her. Um, but the Noguchi Museum, that was a competition at Pratt that the students entered to show their work that was inspired by his sculptures. Mm -hmm. And then my dress was featured in the museum for a month. Mm -hmm. um, and then everything else was after school. Um, well, KTZ, I was, I was working for them my last um, year of school. I actually don't remember how I got that gig, but they uh, came here for New York Fashion Week and they normally show in London, but mm -hmm. they needed last minute some people to help with them at the show. So we were set up at Red Bull Studios and I brought my home sewing machine and I was doing tailoring and helping style looks. Um, and I got to work directly with the designers themselves and uh, I really looked up to them a lot and they were so sweet to me. So that was a really, really nice experience. And I worked a lot on that. It was a one week thing where I was just in Red Bull Studios for like a week <laughs> straight, drinking a lot of Red Bull and sewing. <laughs> And watching them put a show together was really interesting. How so? Um, just seeing how fast things move and like how much work goes into it and coordinating that many looks for one show mm -hmm. on, on the fly, basically, because they only brought two assistants from London and they liked me so much. They said, when you're done with school, call us. <laughs> but the only opportunities that they had were in Bali and I was so nervous. <laughs> to leave New York and go to Bali that I didn't really take it. Mm -hmm. um, but I did stay in touch with them. So That would have been crazy, though. Yeah. Do you ever feel like, you you do you ever get in your head, like, maybe I should just go to Bali? Um, no. No? Still, yeah. <laughs> you're stay, you're I would have gone to London. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I think that it, that would have been really isolating. Mm. Um, maybe just for one year. Mm. Yeah. But I would like to see them again. 
So now you've been you've been in New York for how many years? Nine years. Nine um, years. Yeah, nine years. That's this, crazy. This month. I wanted I wanted you to think back to when you first got here, mm-hmm. and then and where you are at this point. Like, how do you feel that Helena, who got here originally, would feel about where you're at now? I don't think I would have expected to work with so many performers mm-hmm. and musicians and like stylists and artists like such a big variety of people mm-hmm. and I yeah I've had so many different jobs in the industry I just mm-hmm. didn't expect to have this wide of a breadth of work yeah um but I'm really grateful for it because it's you know given me a chance to learn so many different things mm-hmm. that have helped me build my own brand Mm-hmm. and feel very ready and prepared to launch myself out. I wanted to know too um, what, so you designed Sophie's dress for, was it? The Grammys, yeah. 2017 Grammys? Uh, February 2019. 2019. Yeah. What was that like? Um, so I worked with uh, Emily Schubert and Coco Campbell, who are both stylists mm-hmm. and really amazing, just uh, creative people um, and Emily actually helped me with find a lot of these jobs um, but I, I had I think under two weeks to make that dress mm-hmm. and they sourced the fabric and they had the sketch and I made the dress mm. so I wasn't able to do an actual fitting with Sophie mm-hmm. Because she was already in LA, and I was so sad because I really wanted to meet her. <laughs> but it was uh, really, really satisfying to see something that I made on the red carpet, mm-hmm. and to have it be on such a brilliant musician that like I had been listening to for a long time and looked up to, and um, to be able to be involved with that. You know, I'll always be proud of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what did you do for Deb Hines? Um, I worked on two music videos in wardrobe for him. So one of them was with Carly Rae Jepsen and um, it's the Better Than Me video. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we went to the Bronx and I had one hour to tailor like 16 suits <laughs> at, at six in the morning. <laughs> so I brought my home sewing machine, my iron and my ironing board and Emily, the stylist that mm-hmm. I worked with she had um, all of these vintage suits and she said, okay, all the dancers need to be fitted. And they, they just like came to me in a oh line God. and I was just pinning, taking it, putting like a little note on it and saying, okay, come back in an hour. <laughs> and then I got to watch them all dance and it was really fun. And then wow. got to talk to Carly and she was very sweet. Um, and then I also worked with Dev again when... Um, he had the Hope video with Taishi and uh, Diddy and Alton Mason. So I, that was again like another tailoring job. Mm-hmm. So I worked on a wardrobe for that. So the the 2021 um, collection that you have, mm-hmm. it's so I, I mean, I just don't because I like fashion is like, I love fashion yeah. um, from like an outsider perspective, but I really just don't understand it from like an insider's perspective. You just so that you can clarify for me and everybody like yeah what 
how did you source the material for for the collection? Like, I I saw that you it's like a found pieces kind of, but I wanted to know just how much of it came from your brain. Like, how much of the concepts <laughs> and and the looks like how much of it were things that you created? How much of it was sourced? How, and how did it get to the place that it is now? So um, I started making a few of the pieces in the collection from um, just like thrifted clothes that I already had. Mm -hmm. uh, and I made this during quarantine. Um, I was basically just isolating in my sewing studio. And I saw you working on some of it. Yeah. And then I, I just wanted to sort of shut everybody out and just like make things. But mm -hmm. I really don't like buying new fabric. And mm -hmm. I think it's so much more interesting to use already worn used like well-loved fabric that actually mm -hmm. has a story and gives it more character and it's a lot more fun for me to work like in those kinds of textiles to even expose like all the little stains and the holes and like everything mm -hmm. that's part of the fabric's character and make it more like into the piece um so i started with some things i already had at home and then i said that i to myself that I just had to keep doing this and I went out and sourced from all over the place so but all in New York mm -hmm. so um lots of big thrift stores <laughs> um I had a lot of things from friends just given to mm -hmm. me uh and then things from my own closet too um so a lot of those samples are things from my own closet mm -hmm. that I had taken apart and deconstructed and then dyed and then did embroidery over. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even know that I was making a full collection until October and mm -hmm. I finished in April. So I and I was working for Hood by Air at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I was producing uh, work for their collection while producing mine. Um, when did you start working for them? In September. Of okay. last year. And and what what were you tasked to do for them? Um, I worked for Anonymous Club first. Mm -hmm. um, they had asked me to work on some costumes for performers um, for some videos that they were doing mm -hmm. as um, part of their relaunch. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, was moved to work on the Hood by Air side. Mm -hmm. So then I started coming into the... I was working from home before and then I... I started working in their office um, in February mm -hmm. and was helping with Hood by Your Side. What were you doing? Uh, mostly pattern making and sample making, but on the design team, everybody's kind of a team member. So whatever, you know, everybody has ideas that we put together. Mm -hmm. so everybody kind of wears many hats. <laughs> yeah. And what what's it like working for like such a big label but on a smaller like on a smaller team like that um it's fast fast paced mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm so used to that at this point but i think you know that's the second nature yeah mm -hmm. that's why i was there <laughs> got you so okay let's go back to the collection though okay so I love it so much. I think it's so great. I think they're all so beautiful and like there's something there's something really familiar about them, but I've never seen like I feel like a lot of the the colors and the looks of the fabric feel 
familiar, but it must be because you're sourcing them from, you know, from places that, that are familiar to people. Like, they, yeah. they're from thrift stores and they're from other people's closets. But at the same time, the full look, the full, the full piece, <laughs> the full collection of the individual parts is so unique and, and so clearly you. Um, yeah. So how, how does it go from a collection of different parts to just to your look? I think with this collection, I gave myself permission to just go off mm-hmm. and let myself be super maximalist because mm-hmm. I realized that, again, going back to my drawings, that I drew, I draw normally so much detail, but I don't always put all that detail into my work. And mm-hmm. I just decided I'm gonna put all that detail in my work now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, decided to get into embroidery and have that as another layer to mm-hmm. add on. Um, and because I was using all um, vintage materials, I had to stick to a color palette mm-hmm. to keep it cohesive. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, the embroideries came later. I didn't actually have an embroidery machine until January, and mm-hmm. I just taught myself how to do that. But all of those writings and um, drawings are from my own journals and sketchbooks. So that also added another personal layer to this collection. And I think I chose every piece really out of nostalgia mm-hmm. like all the different pieces yeah i had a night where i was talking to my partner on facetime and just showing them every single thing that i thrifted and they were like to them they were like this doesn't make any sense to yeah. me but like for example the linens and tablecloths that i use really remind me of my grandmother's house mm-hmm. or just things that why my mom would have around the house and like even one of the shirts is made out of kitchen towels mm-hmm. that <laughs> is what my mom first gave me to sew (laughs) when I was a kid. So I didn't even realize. You didn't even realize? No, like I made an entire button-up shirt dress out of kitchen towels, not even realizing that I was going back to what my mom first gave me to sew when I was a kid. But then also the patchwork t-shirts were all from like punk shirts Mm -hmm. and motorcycle shirts that were relating back to my dad Mm -hmm. because he's a biker and was a punk and so these are all like things from my childhood that yeah. or things that I that liked growing up yeah so they're they're like hints of things about me in mm. the collection the wedding dress I almost got married <laughs> and I wanted to fuck up a wedding dress <laughs> so that was where that came from and but making it a little bit more bondage and mm-hmm. adding my own style to it um and like letting it not be a dress anymore and just mm-hmm. having it be like a big skirt. How you draw out your pieces and then do your best to realize the drawings. How did that work with this? Because <laughs> it obviously it's you're not creating it. I mean, you're not creating anything from scratch. Yeah. You're not you're a lot of it was not was was sort of preformed, but how Yeah. So how did that how, what did that process look like? Um so I spent some time going through the past 10 years of my sketchbooks and made a sketch library so i have a big pdf of every single one of my well favorite ones Whoa. I, and how long did that take like oh i don't know like a weekend 
or something. Whoa, what? Just <laughs> yeah. one weekend? I mean, I I scanned everything and I just went through and, and made a nice PDF of everything just wow. for myself so I can always go back and reference it mm-hmm. because there might be a time where I lose something or it gets damaged and mm-hmm. I just want to have a digitized version of it somewhere. Yeah. After finishing my conversation with Helena, she invited me to a punk show in Bushwick where we met up with some of her friends who are actually models within her lookbooks. And Helena and I had a very interesting conversation about how identity factors into her clothes making. I wanted to talk about how um, I realized when I was younger, uh, exploring my own identity through the clothing was a really big part of uh, why I was making clothing too. So, what identity is that? Um, I guess like my queer identity, but also being mixed and um, so yeah, just like trying to figure out what that meant because I didn't really feel like I fit in anywhere, which is a really common feeling for you know people in general. But uh, that it was a way for me to feel more comfortable with myself and to also make other people more comfortable with themselves too and like make them feel like it's okay to be weird or like not feel like you fit in or to be out of place but to like take that and just like run with it and be like okay I'm gonna be so out of place that you're gonna want to be just like me like and inspire people to just be themselves more when they wear the clothes in the lookbook or editorial or whatever it is that they're modeling in that their personality really shines through because I don't I don't want the clothes to wear them I want them to wear the clothes and I want them to wear it how they want to wear it so working with Helena was the best experience I've had in two years about a month later right after September fashion week I met back up with Helena and she gave me a tour of her studio space afterward she showed me her robust journal collection which archives years of personal ideas and imaginations they're all under my desk because I don't have a bookshelf right now. Um, but it's like all mixed together. So how many years is this? Like 10, 11 years. That's so crazy. But this isn't even everything. Like, And there's so many different types of books too. Like there are these little tiny books you have over here and then the big sketchbooks. Yeah, because I don't really like save sketchbooks just to be sketchbooks necessarily. Like... I write in a lot of them, too. So there's, like, really old stuff in me. Like, that I would not... Like, a flyer I drew for a little illustration show I was in. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, figure drawing classes, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, I actually don't know why I still hold on to these things, but some of them are good reference. It just depends on what it is. Like, mm-hmm. um, also... The way that I used to draw was just like a lot of flat sketches, so not on a body at all, just like drawing clothes out in the air. (laughs) These books definitely make me look like a crazy person. No, it makes you look so archived. Like all of your (laughs) stuff is just here. Um, Like stuff from magazines. Like this is stuff from when I was like 18, 19. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I still have a pretty traditional process in terms of creating garments mm-hmm. um like i still start out with a sketch and then make a technical sketch i make the muslin i do fittings but um i definitely drape things on the dress form in my own way and i'm still teaching you know mads my assistant like um how to do things that, the way i do them because everyone has their own way of doing things but yeah 
kind of mm -hmm. so cool. Like you just you journaled all of your work basically. Yeah. Um, this is uh, like a foam uh, padding that you use to what's it called? Not line jackets, but to insulate them. Mm -hmm. um, so I was playing with this as sculpture and then adding rope to it. Um, so this was, yeah, this was from like 2015. So something I'm curious about is, is like note taking and archiving this way, something that you learned was important this to one. this process. Oh, wow. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, was it something that you learned uh, was important to the process of, you know, creating garments or it was it just something that you did naturally? I think it's always, it's something I did naturally. Mm -hmm. You've always journaled this way? Yeah. <laughs> That's so yeah. crazy. It's so impressive. Like there's just so much here. I, I, I would die to have this much documented. <laughs> um, um, it sucks to move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, every time I move, my friends are like, how do you have this much stuff? And I'm like, I can't get rid of it. Like I've actually scanned most of it, mm -hmm. but I want to keep the physical ones too. So why is it that you, was it something that you did even before you started making clothes? Yeah. Yeah. Cause my mom, she would give me sketchbooks and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was something I started when I was a kid. What was the, what was the impulse to put so much down? Uh, it's just been an outlet. That's mm -hmm. always been my creative outlet. So, Wow. I think it's honestly more so when I'm stressed that I draw and write a lot more. And this must have been a slightly better year for me because I haven't been drawing as much. Mm -hmm. So I need to sort of maybe put the pressure on myself and get back into it. But mm -hmm. right now I'm reworking a lot of my old drawings. Right. So that's also been helpful. It's like if I there's a lot of stuff that I've never made that I've drawn. Yeah. So. I don't always have to draw something new because yeah. there's a lot of you things that are source, still... You're referencing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so amazing. But I mean, like it's... this could be a million things. This could also be an entire collection. Like I yeah. could make this into jackets, pants, skirts, whatever. You mm -hmm. know, like I could already think of 20 pieces just from this one little tiny drawing. That's so amazing. And it's probably because you, you spend so much time fleshing out what your style is because you have so much to work with here mm -hmm. and you and there the difference but i mean they're just on this page alone like there's so many different looks like you know that there's that with the the carhartt with the um with the straps but there's also like what the hell is that like this, <laughs> it's just the, these pants with what looks like gigantic leg warmers on them yeah i mean it's funny because you know when I was in school, like my professors would be the same, say the same thing. They're like, "Well, what is that?" And I'm like, "It can be anything you want it to be." <laughs> but I, yeah, I have to elaborate more. So these are just kind of my freehand, like mm -hmm. the same way that I free write. It's just like I'm not really thinking. It's like me just being like this, like let's just keep going, yeah. or like same where where I'm just like, okay, like it doesn't look perfect, but I'm just mm -hmm. gonna keep adding to it. And that's kind of how I make like some of the crazier drawings like okay this is like a fairly new book like this one i think i was trying to draw like a full person but yeah. i fucked up the legs uh -huh. and then i and then, just went with it. and then i ended up drawing the person as a dress form in like snake legs yeah. instead 
and holding knives because I can't draw hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a quick fix. Yeah. Yeah. So you just got to figure out solutions for things. So it's it seems like you have, you know, you the have. Dress. Wow. Yeah. You, you have these like t- dually operating art forms here. Like you, you clearly like are a very practiced journaler, which is just like, of you know, anyone who does journal or has a journal or tries to journal knows that that shit is really hard mm-hmm. to like keep journals and you have journals on journals on journals over here. Yeah, it's definitely a practice. <laughs> yeah, and, and also it's like, must be so good for your general practice to be able to reference yourself so easily mm-hmm. because you're, what's going on here is like, you're not even, you're only taking inspiration from your own work, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I think that this stuff, you know, at some point came from somewhere else. I don't think mm-hmm. any of my ideas are necessarily original. Yeah. But, yeah, they come from somewhere. But at least the conception yeah. of it is, you know, like, the note-taking process of all of it is already done for you. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, the, the clothes are just, like, the physical material manifestation of what's going on here. yeah. I think what's the most exciting part about the upcycling now is making all of the sketches cohesive and relevant. Mm-hmm. So that's where the fabric sourcing really like ties everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like what the the journals is 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 like a a very artistic like you know pathway from your head to you know getting mm-hmm. your ideas out there. And the clothes are, like, you stamping time. Like, it's taking your work and then making them into something that's relevant in this dimension. You know, outside of, like, the plane of And just making these work. Yeah. Like, however that happens. However you have to, yeah. 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 It's really amazing. I'm, I'm really impressed by it. Thank you. This has been an episode of Office Magazine's podcast, which is creative directed by Sam Miami. That's me. It was hosted and produced by Sam Miami. It was engineered, sound edited, sound designed, and scored by our head of sound, Neil Madala. This podcast is presented by Office Magazine and distributed by ACAST. Thanks for listening.